2: and this is the NFL inside report let's coming against a rookie and they get home Brian burns adds another the Carolina Panthers fresh off a Thursday Night football victory in week three have built one of the best defenses in football
3: you know I haven't talked about rule a few different times he he's always emphasized the importance of speed 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 when it comes to his defense.
2: Our former NFL scout, Bucky Brooks, with a look at the foundation of Carolina's fantastic start to this season.
4: Plus, this is a different feel than it's been the last several years.
2: They are not
4: walking around the locker room. And I was just talking to somebody today, like they have accomplished anything.
2: James Palmer back with us on the Broncos 2-0 start and why this team is better equipped for sustained success than any in Denver since they won Super Bowl 50. But we begin with a Panthers win on TNF. Shotgun snap. Darnold keeps it running right inside the five and walks into the end zone for the touchdown. Sam Darnold has been experiencing a career renaissance so far in his first three games as a Panther. He and play caller Joe Brady in lockstep. But they have the benefit of the league's number one defense in every major category. And they continued that trend against the Texans and rookie quarterback Davis Mills, but how Matt rule built this defense is why they are finding success. And it all started with the 2020 draft and every one of their seven selections coming on the defensive side of the ball and our Bucky Brooks digging in now on the Panthers D. What did you find the common thread as Matt rule was trying to build this defense into what we're seeing it become now three weeks into this season?
3: You know, I have talked to about rule a few different times, um, he he's always emphasized the importance of speed, speed, speed when it comes to his defense. He is always big on two things: speed and toughness.
4: I like the way our defense is coming in Carolina. I think when you have guys like Derek Brown and 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 Brian Burns and Shaq Thompson and and Jeremy Chin and a whole bunch more, I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, you know, there's going to be a certain way that we play, and you know, you're going to have to play it, match that intensity.
3: And with the speed, he said you have to be able to. Um, Think outside the box when you want to put speed on the field. Part of that comes from his background at Temple and Baylor, where they would recruit guys that played different positions, but they would put them on the defense side of the ball. So you have wide receivers playing corner. All of a sudden, you have safeties playing linebacker. Linebackers that are now putting their hand in dirt being defensive linemen. He wanted to up the speed and the athleticism uh, on the field because when you have more speed on the field, typically, turnovers begin to happen because you got more speed, more guys on the ball, hitting the ball, knocking the ball around, the ball comes out, and you just have more guys in position. And so the number one thing that he emphasized, we have to be a fast team, we got to be a tough team. And you've seen that the way the Panthers have constructed this defensive lineup.
2: The other thing that I think is really interesting are the playmakers on this defense, right? Like at every level, we talk about Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick mm-hmm. off the edge, Derek Brown in the middle, and then in that second level, Shaq Thompson.
3: Wilson over the middle.
5: Accepted. on the pick.
2: Jeremy Chin uh, is a true playmaker in that sense in the third level. Like getting guys, as you mentioned, turnovers and speed, that's all great. But guys that can really make plays for your defense, obviously huge. And how do you see that in, in this Carolina defense?
3: Yeah, look, they're following an old model that's been very, very successful. In fact, one of the guys who built a championship caliber team in Carolina, Bill Polian, subscribes to the same theory. When you talk to Bill Polian, he would say that, Every championship caliber defense needs to have at least two pass rushers. You need to have someone who can be a stout, sturdy presence in the middle. You need to have a defensive playmaker on the second level at linebacker, particularly more so will linebacker. And mm-hmm. you need to have someone in the back end. He says that he value values safeties over corners because you can zone up with corners, but a safety, someone in middlefield that can track the quarterback, that can run down some of these athletic quarterbacks is essential. Well, when you go through the Carolina Panthers defense, it just check marks on all of those things. Pass rushers, Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns. You have Derrick Brown, who was taken high. Shaq Thompson, if you go back and think about what he was coming out of the University of Washington, he was a dynamic athlete who played a bunch of different things there before he settled in at linebacker for the Panthers. And then Jeremy Chen, a guy who can play – he played corner, he played safety, he's played linebacker all during his collegiate years. You put all of that into the mix, you have a young, dynamic defense But I think the the, the part that some people are missing when it comes to this, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, deserves more credit for what he's been able to do because when you have so many young guys there, the teaching is really critical. And so I believe Phil Snow's collegiate background, coming from the college game where you have to take, I don't know, extensive information and whittle it down for kids who are 18 to 22 to understand. I think the teaching model that the Carolina Panthers use really works for their young team. And I think that's why we're seeing them flourish.
2: Yeah, Phil Snow has done a tremendous job. And, you know, like has some NFL background as well as with Rodman Marinelli in Detroit. Uh, And then that whole thing fell apart, obviously, after that uh, uh, 2008-0-16 season. Ended up in Eastern Michigan coaching Mm. And not many people, you know, have a career renaissance after going to Eastern Michigan and Ypsilanti, <laughs> but but he certainly has. So credit to him. He's a the the snowman, the snow patrol, whatever you want to call this defense. He's got it working. And to kind of dig a little bit deeper on one of those pieces that he has as a true chess piece is like the queen of the chessboard. Put him anywhere, move him in any direction. Is Jeremy Chin?
3: Wilson steps up
5: now, throwing deep for more down there with Chin
2: do you see his implementation within this defense as part of this growing trend in the NFL with guys of that nature, like a Derwin James You know that we see with the LA Chargers that can really do so many things?
3: Yeah, it's becoming one of the more important positions on the field. And it's funny because in the scouting world, a lot of times safeties are overlooked in the process because we kind of have this tendency to believe that if they don't get their hands on the ball, where is their value? But now what we're seeing is the value is in the hybrid linebacker types, right? The guys who can drop down in the box and are sturdy enough to play as a linebacker, but have the cover skills to handle the running back or the tight end in space. And because so many of these teams and the Panthers are one of these teams that are lining up in sub packages, meaning they're putting nickel personnel on the field, five DBs, six DBs on the field. And some of those DBs are having to occupy the linebacker position. When you have someone like a Jeremy Chin who is very comfortable in there when it's it's really noisy in there. It's a lot, lot of noise and commotion that goes on in between the tackles. When you have someone who is comfortable kind of playing in that box, it allows you to do a lot of creative things. And we, we've seen that from the Panthers defense.
2: And then on the corners, I mean, I don't know if, they, if there is a faster duo in football than Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn. Now, obviously, the caveat here is, man, that was a real tough loss for Carolina last night, talking about multiple breaks in the metatarsals uh, of his foot on a kind of a really freak deal. I think you saw that, Buck. That non-contact mm-hmm. type of injury gets kind of turned around and multiple fractures in his foot now. But man, uh, I, I think that that cornerback tandem fits what you're talking about with speed, maybe better
3: than any in football. Yeah, it fits what you, what you want because you want speed on the field. Um, ideally, in a perfect world in the National Football League, you like to line up and play man-to-man coverage. And so it requires you to have enough athleticism and explosiveness on the perimeter to be able to lock up some of those top guys. Well, now you have Dante Jackson and then J.C. Horn, two of the fastest guys that you're going to find. And they're not only fast, but now they're skilled. And so that's the other thing that we talk about with this young defense. It's one thing to kind of bring together a collection of fast guys, but can you develop them and train them? Matt Rule has always felt good about the developmental plan that he has in place, the one that he used. When he was at Temple, when they talked about Temple Tough, the one that continued to exist when he was at Baylor, he turned a program that was in shambles uh, and led them back to prominence. He understands how to develop his players. And I think that's the one thing where they deserve a lot of credit. And And talking to him, one of the things that they do, Rhett, that is maybe a little more specific to them, their team that doing the offseason workouts, they spend a lot of time working on individual drills, a lot of skill development. And those things. But once they get into the the meat of the season, they don't spend a lot of time really doing a lot of individual work. A lot of it is team and repetition, because, as you know, like football is a repetitive sport. And so the more reps you can get in your team period, the more times you can see these plays that the opposition is going to do over and over and over again, the more your young guys can get it. And so it's a little different. It's a little different than what some teams do. But, man, it is working and it's working really, really well down in Carolina.
2: And look for the majority, the core of this defense are guys that this regime has drafted and they will be the core moving forward. Brian Burns was obviously there before uh, Matt Rule took over, but has really flourished in this system with Phil Snow, a defensive coordinator. But then Scott Fitterer comes in as the GM here ahead of this season. And, you know, I I think finding the right free agent mix Right. With your with your defense and really your team as a whole is an important part of this. And he found Hassan Reddick, uh, who last night at one and a half sacks, had a bunch of pressures on Davis Mills. Man, that that has been a huge piece to bring in from another team outside of the draft to help supplement what you're trying to do.
3: Yeah, it certainly does that. Having worked with Scott Fitterer and Dan Morgan. Um, right. Knowing, knowing both of those guys. Well, Dan Morgan coming back to Carolina, he was a player when I was there. And then Scott Fitter and I grew up in this business together with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it's all about finding explosive athletes, guys that are really good football players. But what you can't underestimate is the relationship, the previous relationship that Matt Rule and Snow had with Hassan Reddick. When I was at Temple with uh, Rule and Snow, you know, I was one of the guys on defense. You know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was the top guy
0: on defense. You know, my number was called, and, that's the, and I still want that, you know. I still want to be the guy that's called on to make plays. Not saying that I have to be the only guy, but I want to be a big part
3: of that, you know. They took a walk-on player who was a safety, and he worked his way down to being an off-the-edge guy. And so they know exactly what works. And so part of the, the trick in free agency is understanding fit and scheme. How is this player going to fit in our scheme? Well, because they have in history, they knew exactly what Hassan Reddick could do. They could already envision what he would do in their defense. And I think it allowed them to skip some steps when it came to putting, putting together this defense.
2: Such an important part of the free agent discussion when we get to free agency frenzy is the familiarity, the institutional knowledge of the player from those making the decision. And then, you know, lastly, the other piece of this is here. We talk about this renaissance that Sam Darnold has had, you know, with Joe Brady. But how much of an impact has this phenomenal defense had on this offense and their and their opportunity to get more opportunities getting the ball back, whether it's via turnover or whether it's being three and outs that this defense has has, has gotten for them?
3: Yeah, I think it's played a huge role. Um, when you're a quarterback and you have the, the, the comfort of knowing that my defense can get stops. So now I don't have to play a reckless style because as long as I don't give the ball away, we're going to be in a position to win games.
5: How does the defense, uh, in particular, kind of made things easier for the offense? Yeah,
3: I mean, it's just you know, when you're able to create three and outs and their defense doesn't get really, you know, the, the breather that they might want, um, it's, it's easier for us to go out there and, um, you know, run the ball and, you know, have misdirection because they're a little bit more tired. So it's just, um, that's the way the game works. And what happens is when Sam Donald is over, is on the sideline and he's looking at the defense play and he's seeing the defense throttle the opposition well, now it takes some of the pressure off of him to feel like he has to play hero ball. And remember, he's going to he had a lot of that stuff, the remnants of his Jet experience hanging with him when he came to Carolina with the New York Jets. He had to do so much or he felt like he had the weight of the world on him. It affected the way that he played. Now you begin to try and make plays that you probably shouldn't make. You don't dial it back when it's necessary to dial back. You're always kind of pushing the envelope when it comes to playmaking. Well, now he has the comfort of knowing I got a, I got the number one defense in football behind me. Hey, if we have to punt, it's okay because more than likely we won't get the ball back. And I think as he continues to play with this defense playing at that level, you will see a more comfortable, more confident, and a more efficient Sam Donald. And we are already beginning to see signs of that.
2: Three and zero Carolina Panthers after a win on Thursday night football over the Texans. One that did not come though without a cost. Christian McCaffrey uh, out with a hamstring injury, probably for a couple of weeks here. And then JC Horn, their starting cornerback and number one uh, draft choice this year, out with foot fr- with fractures in his foot. So that t- uh, something to follow. But good news for the Panthers—they got a few days, few extra days of prep this week to kind of figure out their game plan moving forward with those injuries as they get set to take on the Cowboys in week four. Bucky Brooks, they're giving us some great insight on the philosophical building of a great defense and now a really good team in Carolina. Thanks, Buck. Still to come on NFL Inside Report. Teddy went to the equipment
4: staff and asked them to move KJ's locker next to his and said, hey, can you switch him? I want him right next to me.
2: James Palmer just ahead with a story of Teddy Bridgewater's leadership at quarterback and how it's helped lead the Broncos to a 2-0 start to this season.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...
2: In two previous seasons with Vic Fangio as head coach, the Denver Broncos had not won a single September football game. They now have an opportunity to go 3-0 in September to start this season if they can beat the Jets in their home opener at Mile High. James Palmer joining us now with the vibe in Denver and the depth they've built That's also allowed them to overcome injuries to key players like Bradley Chubb, who's now on injured reserve with an ankle injury that could sideline him for the next six to eight weeks. So, James, what are the Broncos looking at now with Chubb, and how they plan to replace him? Yeah, the thought is that he is
4: going to come, he is going to play this year and and fight to come back. We saw how well he came back from the ACL, so that's kind of the way he, you know, he's kind of one of those guys in terms of working to get back quickly. But I think the reason, and the reason I like that we're talking about this is. This might be the deepest the Broncos have been since the Super Bowl team cuz you go look and you have Malik Reed and Jonathan Cooper stepping in to rush opposite of Von Miller. Jonathan Cooper's a
0: remarkable
4: story not only because he's a buckeye uh, yeah. but um 7th rounder. <laughs> this is a guy that has undergone three heart procedures in in his life and um he has been relentless in his work ethic coming in through camp and has turned a ton of heads. Yeah. So this is, I don't want to say Shaq, exactly. I don't want to say this is Shaq Barrett, Shane Ray behind DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller depth, but they do Malik Reed and, and Jonathan Cooper should be able to um, hold down the fort opposite of Von Miller. And what we've seen from Von Miller through two games with three sacks right. is, is Von Miller of old. Pressure on Daniel Jones right away. Von Miller once more, the active leader in sacks in the NFL with his second,
2: and that's encouraging. But you've got a stretch from Week Four to Week Seven or Eight where you're playing Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns, Washington, Dallas. Like that, that begins to, to start a meat grinder of the schedule here. So, like, here's the here's the big piece of this. This Broncos puzzle. Two-0 start. Are they this good? Or are they beating up on teams like the Giants and the Jaguars, who maybe, you know, we're not expecting a whole lot from this season? What's the sense inside the building? The sense inside the
4: building, and I think this is this is a different being around this team so much, this is a different feel than it's been the last several years, which you mentioned who they beat. Right. They are not. Walking around the locker room and I was just talking to somebody today like they have accomplished anything. That is not the mentality of this team right now. And that what I was told was maybe a thought process a couple of years ago when a couple of games, you know, you think you're blank, don't stink and, right, right, and you're right. doing all right. They don't have that mentality. I think that's why this group is a little bit different. It's a lot on the organic growth. To my understanding of these young leaders like Justin Simmons and you know those type of guys, Noah Fant that that have been drafted and now are starting to come into their own, right now starting to develop themselves into leaders, and they kind of got tired of losing. I, I I really do believe that, and that's why there's a more. I want to say realistic approach to this season because they know the roster is talented. And I don't think anybody will argue that when I went to other camps and everybody knows I live in Denver and I yeah. talk to people on other teams, it's usually like, I really like that roster. Mm. That's a, that's, that's, that's by executives on other teams. Like that roster is really put together pretty well. And, and I think these guys know that, which is why it's really like, we haven't done anything. Let's win next week. And when we do that, we haven't done anything. Let's make sure we do it next week. And, and, Vic is like that, and I think the leadership is like that, and that's why I think that you can only play the teams you're, that are on your schedule exactly. so far. Exactly. They can't I mean, control really who they beat, can do. but they beat it. Exactly. Yeah, But they know they need to get out of these first three, and 3-0, yeah. uh, with that schedule coming up, and they had never won a game under Vic Fangio in September. Wow. Um, that, that, now they that could go 3-0 exist. in September. And now they could go 3-0 in September, and I think that's a different feel, and Teddy has a big, big part of that as well.
2: Let's dig in on Teddy Bridgewater because multiple players, I believe Von Miller included, said we're just we're, we're following Teddy's lead here. And for a guy who's played two games as a Bronco, given the quarterback position brings with it a natural aura of leadership, but for him to step in and kind of assume that role, I think is still pretty interesting uh, after competing with Drew Locke. So how does Teddy's presence here fit into the whole leadership quotient for Denver? Yeah, there's two stories that I like. One
4: I think you can go, and I think I know, you can go and look up Vaughn Miller mic'd up. He went up to Teddy and said, really, I haven't really felt like this um, about my quarterback since Peyton was here.
1: I ain't felt that in a while since 18 was here, man. Keep with that. Those little, those little pep talks go a long way, man. Huh? You know what I'm saying? We need that shit. We ain't have it in a minute. I love you, bro. Love you too, bro.
4: He forgot he was mic'd up when he said that. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was literally just talking to Teddy on the sideline, to my understanding, to where he was just like, that was him talking to him about how different the feel is with what Teddy's doing. Another really great example is with KJ Hamler, their young speedster receiver uh, in his second year out of Penn State. Teddy went to the equipment staff and asked them to move KJ's locker next to his and said, hey, can you switch him? I want him right next to me. Because he thought that much of how he could maybe help out in the growth of of him as a young
3: receiver. Teddy's been awesome and amazing, like big brother to me. So he told the guys to move my locker next to him just so he can take me under his wing. And I never had that before. You know, I've never been next to my quarterback, you know, always talking to him, picking his brain.
4: To just go and do something like that on your own when you're brand new to the organization and just being like... I mean, hey, right? These lockers are fancy, man. I don't know how easy they are to, you know, change yeah, them really up. Yeah. So he, yeah. he 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 asked to have him move next to him, and so there's just a different feel from what he does. And the 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 thing that's different as well. And the last part is, is remember all of us like check down Teddy. He, yeah, he, look at all these yeah. deep guys like KJ Hamler. He has the best deep ball completion percentage in football heading into week three. Bridgewater fakes
5: the handoff. He's going to take
4: another chance. Off the seam. Sutton had a step. And Bridgewater with a masterful pass. He is going deep repeatedly. (laughs) And what I was mainly told when I was making the rounds during training camp was, well, go look at Teddy when he played with the Saints. Go look at Teddy when he played with a good roster. Now, that sounds like you're skewing the stats in favor of Teddy, but when I was told that from some people, it was like, no, no, no. But that's the situation he's walking into, like really good skill guys around him. So why don't you go look at what he does when he has good talent around him? He he hasn't turned the ball over. He's completing a boatload of his passes. Um, he, he's playing really, really
2: well. Well, and I thought that was one of the biggest reasons why we might actually see Drew Locke win this competition is because – their explosive play, explosive plays. You saw it in Minnesota when he got the start in preseason, right? He's launching him in a Hamler, and and so like, oh, I was like, oh, you know what? Drew's going to win this thing because you know Teddy just maybe doesn't have you know what it takes to accentuate the skill set of this explosive group around him. But clearly, that has not been the case through two games. So good for him, and good for the Broncos, and figuring out all, all that out, and and understanding that he's the best person for this job um, going forward with Vic Fangio at the helm and maybe feeling a a real sense of urgency here this year. And do you feel that that sense of urgency is echoed throughout the locker room as well from the player side, knowing that it's time, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah. I, I thought you were spinning it more towards, you know, that they're thinking this might be it for our head coach.
2: That too. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah.
4: Right. Yeah. And, and I do think, you know, Vic has had his speed bumps in his early career as a head coach. Nobody doubts his mind as a defensive Certainly not. you know, mastermind, in any, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, but I think that he's starting to get a better sense of the gig. And I think players are starting to really have a different feel of like, you know, we're pretty decent yeah. as a roster when I look around and we're kind of tired of losing. <laughs> and I think that feel... Really has gone throughout the locker room, and like I said, Teddy has a little bit to do with it. Some of these young leaders have something to do with it, but I think they've they've developed a pretty good base in terms of what they've drafted. And if you look, go back and look at the last couple of drafts, those are some really good players that they've that they've gone out and certainly and drafted. And I think that's why the feeling in the room is different. And and I'm just and I've talked to people that are not even like you know essentially part of football ops, right? You know, and, and other aspects of the building that like have a Still say right now there's a different feel right now than there was
2: the last couple of years in the building. And with that, how do you expect the feel to be at mile high home opener this week with the Jets coming in and the potential of a three and oh start on the horizon here?
4: Yeah, Teddy won this uh fan base over pretty quickly in Denver. You know, you win the fans over by winning football games. Because I'll say the fans, and I don't know if it was skewed in a direction. Because I don't talk to every single person that lives in Denver. Right. You know, we'll, we'll be honest and say sports talk radio sure, is definitely fine.
3: skewing it towards towards Drew Locke. I've never been the guy to try to win the fans over with my words. I try to be who I am, um, a genuine guy, be the same person every day, and hopefully, you know, my play, you know, can can be enough to win the fans over
4: and i think teddy bridgewater has won the city over pretty quickly with the way he carries himself and the way that he has played so far i think the i think the, that, that stadium is going to be on fire yeah. really and, and i think the biggest thing that they've been able to do when we talk about this roster is They've had injuries already, you know, and we're only two weeks in. You yeah. lose Jerry Judy for – it's going to be still several more weeks, to my understanding. Now you lose Bradley Chubb for an extended period of time. Those are more key players. Um, you lose <laughs> – yes, you lose Josie Jewell. your are starting middle linebacker with a torn pec for the season. Like, a lot of teams, you know, you're questioning if they're any good through two weeks because everything's gone right. Let's be honest, they haven't played super, you know, really difficult teams, but everything has not gone right in terms of staying healthy. I think the way you can have a different feel around this team and why they have it is they look at who they have to weather the storm. Like when you have a guy like Tim Patrick who catches 50 some odd balls, you know, filling in for Cortland Sutton last year when he went down without a drop is your now number four receiver. So Judy goes down, you have Albert Okowebunam and Noah Fan. And Cortland Sutton, who we just saw emerge, and you know, in, in the week two, yeah. KJ Hamler, and like, you, you don't want to lose Jerry Judy, but you're deep. Same thing with the pass rush, and same thing with the secondary. You lose Ronald Darby, your number nine overall pick becomes a starter on the outside, and what does he do in his first game as a starter? He has a pick. So they had depth in the secondary, and they were getting a lot of calls, from my understanding, to for a corner from sure. teams, and 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 they held on. And I think the depth at those spots that we just mentioned allows them to have this confidence of like we're going to weather kind of anything. And I still think talking to people in the building, they haven't played great defensively yet, yeah, and we're all kind of waiting for that with that talent there. So I think they still think they can get much better on the on the back side and another rookie quarterback coming in it's
2: yeah, ooh,
4: Trevor looked a little lost, and it might be the same thing for Zach Wilson.
2: Zach Wilson coming off a four-interception performance in Week Two, coming uh, to Denver to take on the Broncos. Broncos, Jets, Week Three, and then an absolutely monster stretch of the schedule. I'm hoping at the start that one, Rhett. Steelers, yeah. Raiders, Browns. There you go, James Palmer, with all the insight on the Denver Broncos. Thanks, JP. No problem, buddy. Still to come,
0: the news you have to know around the league. You go into your shower feeling
2: And now, some news. After being inactive the first two weeks of this season following his ACL tear recovery, Browns wideout Odell Beckham Jr. will play this weekend, according to head coach Kevin Stefanski.
3: Whenever that is, I know that I'm just going to be excited. I've worked extremely hard to not only get back, but improve and try and be better than I ever have been. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's been a long time. It's been a long time in that cave, putting yourself back together. I had a great team around me for the entire process. Great support system. And it's going to be special.
2: So Beckham makes his debut at home against the Bears, who will feature the debut of rookie quarterback Justin Fields as their starter in for the injured Andy Dalton. Elsewhere on the QB injury front, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz still dealing with sprains to both ankles as our NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport told us on Monday's episode of NFL Inside Report but Wentz returning to practice Friday and was moving around well which means starting Sunday in Nashville against the Titans is a possibility but Colts head coach Frank Reich preparing for all possible scenarios
3: there's no question it's a different approach whether it's Carson if Carson's in there. So obviously the, the obvious answer is we have to approach it like he's not going to be in there, right? I mean, you know, given everything that we know at this point and then, you know, and then be surprised if he is in there.
2: And the NFL announcing on Friday that beginning with this 2021 season, Super Wild Card Weekend will now conclude with a game on Monday night. Super Wild Card Weekend, which got its name last year as the league added a seventh team and third wild card to the playoff field in each conference is scheduled from January 15th through the 17th of 2022. And while ESPN handles Monday night football during the regular season, the network for the Monday playoff game is yet to be determined. And that's going to do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. We're back with you on Monday with a look behind the headlines and inside the highlights from your week three Sunday. For producers Thomas Warren and Tim Parachka, I'm your host, Rhett Lewis. We'll catch you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
0: you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...